Real quick driven mofos, you know I don't run any advertising or sell anyone else's shit on this podcast. So the only thing that I'll ever ask from you is that you help me get this podcast out to more people and spread the word by rating and reviewing this podcast. I promise it will only take 10 seconds, so please rate and review if you haven't already done so. And thank you in advance. So I found this to be the number one reason why money does not flow and why most people struggle with their money. This podcast, The Underestimated Entrepreneur, is for the driven mofos out there who are driven to achieve more in life and business. After studying 1,457 of the world's most successful people in different fields and spending over $1 million on coaches, consultants, and seminars, I wanted to share with you the key learnings, lessons, tips, tools, and strategies that have not only made them super successful, but have also allowed me to go from the kid who was put into special classes, getting kicked out of school and wanting to end my life, to becoming the mental performance coach to some of the country's most successful people and helping me to grow multiple businesses. I want to help all of those out there who have been underestimated to prove their doubt is wrong and to help them to achieve more than they could possibly imagine. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the biggest barrier that most people have when it comes to getting ahead financially. And it's probably not what you think. Driven mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Let's talk today about money. Now, money is something that most people want. And even those who say they don't want it also want it as well, because you can't really do anything without it. Now, that's debatable. Some people say, yeah, but you know, money's not everything. Well, it's not everything. But money is a direct reflection of the person themselves. Again, it's controversial. Someone's going to say, well, that's not true. Well, it is. Because if you're adding value into the environment around you and you have self-worth and you have value, then you will ask for value in return. Everything is an exchange of value. Now, if we see everything as an exchange of value in society, and therefore there needs to be a transfer of value from one person to the next, then we create an exchange. When that exchange is unfair, it creates byproducts. So resentment is a byproduct of unfair value exchange. For instance, if I go and buy a coffee for a friend, Next time we catch up, I go and buy a coffee for the same friend. Then the next time we catch up, my friend rocks up and he goes, ah, far out, man. I left my wallet at home. I go, oh, that's all right. I'll buy it. But I'm already starting to think, I bought three coffees now. This is not really going down well. The next time he sends me a message and says, do you want to go out for a coffee? I either say, bring your fucking wallet. Or I say to him, nah, look, I'm busy. Because now I'm starting to resent the person because now I've bought the last three coffees and you haven't bought anything yet. Now, if I'm getting value from that conversation, for instance, if I go out with one of my mentors, I will normally shout them lunch or shout them a coffee because the value that I'm getting in return isn't the coffee. The value that I'm getting is the knowledge from them. Let's say we become good friends over the years. I find that the conversation is so valuable that I'm happy to buy them something in order to create some sort of a fair value exchange because I want to keep that relationship. If I went there and I was a numbnut and I sat there and I just sponged all the knowledge off of somebody and I did that two or three times, they would probably stop catching up with me. There are a lot of people on my social media who do that. They'll send me messages and say, do you want to catch up for a coffee or something like that? I'd love to pick your brain. The answer is no, because you can't buy me the amount of coffee that it's going to take or the amount of food that it's going to take to get my knowledge for free in an hour. For a coaching session, if I'm charging $13.50 per hour, that's $1,300.50 per hour currently. But if that's what I'm charging per hour, if I've got to have an hour, that's negative $1,350 that I can make. If I've got to choose between coaching one-on-one or I've got to go and choose hanging out with someone on Instagram who's offering to buy me a free coffee. Now, let's say that they buy me a $5 coffee. It's not $1,350 I lose, it's $1,345 now I lose. So it's $5 less. But even still, that's a shitload of money. When you think about it from that way, 
you change your perspective on value exchange. So for instance, if I want to go and catch up with somebody who is a baller and they're crushing it in business, I might message them and I might be something along the lines of like, hey, dude, seen you've been crushing it. I've heard a lot of really great things about you. I've just noticed that you've got this thing coming up and this thing coming up. I'm wondering how I can get involved with you. And I'm wondering if we could go out and maybe have a lunch on me. And I'll also come and pick you up in one of my supercars and we can go for a drive or something like that if you're keen. Now, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to shift the value onto their side. Now, I'd be a bit more strategic than that. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to stack the value in their favor where they're going, I'm going to get something out of this, but they're also going to get something out of this. Versus what most people do is they go, I want something. Therefore, what I want is important. I want that thing from the other person. I have never thought about that other person. Or they don't perceive the value of that person. Now, if someone says to me, I would love to catch up with you and pick your brain, what they're saying is, I don't perceive that you have any value on your time. I don't perceive you have any value around your money. And I don't perceive that you have any value with whatever else is going on in your business or in your life. Because if you did, that would be more important than catching up with me. Bad strategy for life. So let's get back to talking about what is probably the biggest block when it comes to money for most people. And that is fear and worry. When someone's worried, they tend to contract or they tend to freeze. Now, if we go back to psychology, okay, this is my area of expertise. I've spent the last 10, 11 years studying human behavior at a very high level. So if I'm looking at human behavior and we break it down and we go back to how do humans operate in most cases? Now we have the flight, fight, and freeze response, which is a survival response. And then we have the thrive response. They're two completely different things. So when someone's thriving, they tend to be focused on the mission, the vision, the values, what lifestyle balance looks like to them based on their value structure. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know that you cannot have or define lifestyle balance unless you have clearly defined your value structure and your mission in life. It is almost impossible. And most people that I've met who say they're clear with their values are so fucking far off, right? It's like saying that you're awesome at fishing when all you've got is a rod, but you've never actually been out to sea. They're two completely different things. Like most people delude themselves with their values and it's not what they are. You've got to work with a really good coach or come to an event like Thrive Time to get clear because it's just most people do it so poorly. When you get clear with that, then you can create your lifestyle balance and so on. Once you do that, you can thrive now. And what you'll find is that the rich get richer because they tend to operate in the brain structure that allows them to thrive, which is their prefrontal cortex. It's the most evolved part of the brain. Now, when we're living our values and we're serving a purpose and we're operating out of a mission, we tend to put more blood flow, glucose, and oxygen into that part of the brain, which allows us to forward think, forward plan, and it also mitigates the stress response or what it does is it helps to stabilize our emotions. When you drop into the flight, fight, and freeze response, you are then driven by your impulses and your fears. And I was explaining this yesterday on a podcast that I did where when someone is fearful, they tend to have more impulses. So when you've had a really good day and you're just cruising, you don't tend to be impulsive. You're like, you know what? I crushed the gym, had a good day at work. Now I'm hanging out with my family. I'm relaxing a little bit and you tend not to be impulsive. When you have that shitty day at work and you're driving home, you're just thinking, you know what? I could really do with a beer or I could really just do with a pizza. Or you know what? I just want to go out and hang out and party with my friends. That's because fear is driving your impulses. So when you're in that state of the mind, you're essentially dropping down into a more primitive part of the brain called the limbic system, which is our emotional system. So we tend to then run off of our emotions. That then is driven by part of the nervous system called the sympathetic nervous system. That sympathetic nervous system is the stress response. So we tend to then try to figure out how in life we can fight, we can run away, or we can freeze and not do anything. 
And you see this in most people's behavior. When people are indecisive, they're normally freezing. When someone's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to answer that call or I'm not going to deal with this shit, they're running away. When someone gets aggressive and they're angry, they're in their sympathetic nervous system. That's the fight response. And so you see this when different people put under pressure. Some people go to their prefrontal cortex and they think through it and they go, okay, this is how we can operate and this is how we can move forward and this is how we can get out of it. It's part of the mission. Let's just keep moving forward. I'm going to use my values because they're my strength and let's operate this way. And they stay calm under pressure. Then you've got the other people who then go into reactive mode that are stress-driven and they have this stress response, which then their brain has to decide, which tends to be their natural tendency in whatever environment they're in. Am I going to fight, get aggressive, battle, get angry, or get pissed off or whatever? Am I going to run around like a douchebag and pretend that I'm doing like 50 things at the same time and I'm really stressed and overwhelmed because then it looks really obvious to everyone around me that I'm stressed? That's sort of like passive aggressiveness. Then you've got the freeze response, which is, I don't know what to do. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. And I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to think about it and get caught in my fucking head and go around in circles for the next, like, however long. Or am I going to run away from it and go, you know what? I just need a holiday. The stress is too much. I just need to get away. Or, you know, I just want to go home and sit and watch TV for three hours. That's the runaway response. So that's the flight response. So you have those responses. Now, how does this relate to money? Well, when you're thinking clearly, you see things as an exchange of value. You can think through things. You see the value of others. You see what people want. And you can provide a product or a service or you can offer value to others, which then allows you to make more money. You see your own self-worth. You've got greater self-love, self-respect, self-confidence, self-belief. All of those things push you into that thrival response. On the other hand, when you're in the stress response, you just drop down into a survival mode. You're almost drowning at the moment and all you're worried about is just keeping your head above water. Those who keep their head just above water, most of the time keep their head above water. I meet hundreds of business owners every year who they're in the middle of the ocean, they're holding onto a plank of wood, and all of a sudden the waves come up and they just start fucking drowning. And they come up and they gasp a quick breath of air and then they're drowning again. And then they're gasping a quick breath of air. Now, when they're drowning, I try to help them, but they're like, you know what? I'm too stressed out. I can't do anything at the moment. And that's their freeze response. Or they get angry like, oh, why do you keep fucking calling me? Or on the other hand, they're like, I'm just going to avoid this guy. But all I'm trying to do is help, but they can't see it for what it is. Now, on a nice day, let's say I'm on a sales call, and this is good for anyone who's doing sales or a business owner. If you're on a sales call and you're going to have a person avoiding you, they're normally avoiding you because, again, they're in a stress response. They're freezing. They don't want to do anything, and they're just trying to put it off. Or they get aggressive because you're interrupting their time, and they're frustrated, and so on. That's the flight, fight, and freeze response. That's when they need the most help. They just can't fucking see it because they're in survival. Now, the problem is, is that most people who live like that, when the ocean is calm and the sun is out, they're floating around on the plank of wood again going... Ah, this isn't so bad. This is all right. Like everything's fucking good. I've got this under control now, but it only lasts a couple of days or a week. And then they're drowning again because the seas are going to come back up again. It's going to get a little bit rough and they've never learned how to sail. They're just holding onto a plank of wood floating in the middle of the ocean. That's it. And so most business owners or most people in life convince themselves that a sunny day that's calm, everything's all good and they've fixed it and they haven't. The truth is that they are just as fucked as what they were before. It's just that the environment at the moment has allowed them to feel safe and to feel comfortable, but they're still in survival mode because give it a couple of days, give it a week, it's gonna be raining, it's gonna be heavy seas again, and they're gonna be drowning, gasping for air again. And this is how most business owners operate their business. This is how most people live, which then stops them from asking for fair value exchange, for valuing their time, 
their service for effectively leading people. You can't have a business with five, 10, 15, 20 staff if you can't lead. But someone can't lead when they're drowning every day. They're just trying to keep their head above water. So they're the bosses that run around and they're always frustrated. They're always huffy and puffy. They use I all the time. I do this, I do that. I've got to look after this, I've got to do that. And when they walk around in a huff and a puff all the time, they want other people to see, well, they look stressed out. Therefore, I should do my job more effectively and take more responsibility and accountability because they look stressed. But that's not what happens. What happens is now their team around them sit there and they're like, fuck, I don't know whether to walk on eggshells. I don't know whether to take work off of them, which I don't really want to ask too many questions. So if I do take work, I'm not going to ask a lot of questions. The likelihood of them fucking that up is really, really high. Or they just eventually get to the point where they're like, I feel stressed because my boss is stressed all the time. That's not a good place for staff. That's not good operating systems. The reason why I bring this up around wealth creation is that if you're a business owner and you want to generate wealth, you have to provide a safe space for people to go to work, give them the right processes, you have to lead them effectively, you have to manage them effectively, and you have to walk around calm. You have to be the leader. You have to have your mindset developed in a way where you mitigate risk, where you think through things, where you're super effective, where you're operating intelligently, and then you can delegate stuff to your staff, train and develop them correctly so they can do their job. Staff come to work, they're fulfilled, they value themselves, and now the value of the organization increases. When the value of the organization increases, the finances of the business will increase. Now, if you're an individual that works for somebody else, same thing. If you have low self-worth, beat yourself up all the time, feel like shit, you're fear-driven, you operate in the flight, fight, and freeze response, your ability to generate a decent income and to be able to save money effectively and then grow that wealth is pretty much zero. Okay, It might be a little bit, but it's not going to be a lot. If you're very calm, you're very thoughtful, you think about it. So at the end of every week, you go, right, I'm going to put a little bit of money in savings. I'm going to direct that eventually into an investment account. And then from there, you slowly start building. You're not driven by fear, which is like, shit, I'm getting older. I need to quickly rush and try and make money really, really quickly. That is dumb. That's where most people get wiped out. And I see 22-year-olds that are like, you know, I'm 22. I want to make a million bucks and get financially free. It's like, listen, you need, first of all, to learn. You need to learn as much as you can about life just in general. You need to learn how to invest. You need to learn about money. You need to learn about relationships because even if you get ahead financially and you build a shitty relationship and you get married, you're fucked. You're going to lose half of everything at some point. So you're now putting all this effort into building your wealth, but your relationship's going to destroy your money. So you learn how to build a good relationship. Learn what an intimate relationship's about. Learn how to add value to your partner. Learn how to communicate effectively so they add value to you and build a partnership, build a team. This is exactly the same for business, right? Same thing. So then now you've got your relationships are starting to get figured out. You start to realize that who you hang around is who you become. So you start to be very, very calm and very, very clear about the types of people you want to hang around. You don't want to go out with all your mates that are doing you know, lines off of the urinal at a nightclub who are heavily intoxicated that are doing some of the most crazy shit because if you do that, you know that that's going to be a downfall eventually. You can build your three or $4 million little empire that you've got by doing e-commerce or whatever you want to do when you're 22 or 23, but you are eventually going to lose it all because either drugs are going to get you, alcohol is going to get you, or that intimate relationship or the relationship that you haven't worked with effectively is going to get you. And if you look at most people who do really, really poorly in life or who do well and then lose it all, it normally comes through drugs, alcohol, bad decisions, or relationships. You want to start learning about those things in your 20s. That's what I did. I went out and I studied as much as I could. Now, I'm not saying the way that I did it was the most intelligent way. But what I am saying is that you want to learn about these things as much as you can in your 20s. When there are 22, 23, 25-year-olds and they're like, I've got to buy a house. I've got to get married. I've got to have kids because there's all this pressure. You only left school at 18. 
Like, let's say you left school at 18 and now you're 25. That's seven years. That's nothing. That's not even relevant. If you want to build an empire, you need to be thinking 20, 30 years ahead. So that's crazy. Then I meet 40 year olds and 40 year olds gone, you know, what? I don't have a lot of superannuation. I'm getting close to retirement. I need to rush to try to get rich. You're going to lose all your money. Bad idea. Don't cut corners. Start putting things in place. Everything compounds. It speeds up. So your fear and your anxieties around money are going to drive you to do stupid decisions and teach you a valuable lesson. Hi, Driven Mofos. You're probably aware that I've been working flat out on our social media presence to try to expand our community of Driven Mofos globally. I've been posting tons of free content to keep you inspired, driven, and working towards your goals. So if you haven't already followed and subscribed to all my social media channels, please make sure you do so as I post different content on different platforms. The links are available in the description of this podcast down below. If you want to get good with money and you want to get ahead financially, the number one, number one most important thing that you have to do, number one, is you have to learn how to tap into your mindset and deal with your emotional shit. Because if you don't, I guarantee at some point, you are going to hinder your growth financially. I know this because I've done it. I've done stupid things before where I've been in fear and been in a rush to try to get rich quick. Normally, I learn the lesson the hard way. And that is those who tend to get rich quick tend to lose it all quick as well. And I've lost it all quick. I've also built very, very slowly and sat there and gone, fuck, this is taking forever. And then slowly watching it compound and going, oh, this over like 15 years is starting to get tasty now. But I had to wait 15 years for it to get tasty. It wasn't tasty straight up front. It sucked up front. Especially like, let's say you've got $100,000 in shares and those shares are paying dividends. When you get your dividend check, it might be like a couple of grand every quarter. And you're like, oh man, this is bullshit. But should you keep investing in shares over the next 10 years, that $100,000 may turn into half a million to a million dollars. Because not only do you have compounded growth, but you're doing the same thing that keeps building it. So you're building while you're compounding. And so therefore, that's how the rich get rich, right? They build and they compound. They don't just do one or the other. What most people do is because they're fear-driven, they're like, I need to have financial freedom. You don't even work. You're like, you don't even work now. If you're working a nine to five job, you've still got another eight or so hours during the day after work or before work. What are you doing? So if you're going to spend two hours going to the gym, cool, go do that. But if you're getting home and you're watching TV for three hours a night, you could be doing something else that would be adding more value, starting a little side project or figuring out how to improve your financial status in your career. So you could be figuring out how can I make more money in the skill set that I have so that my boss or another employer values me more highly so I'm going to get paid more. If you're putting more money into investments, let's say you get paid an extra five grand a year. You can take that five grand this year, go and put that into more shares. You've just bought $5,000 more in the share market, or you're putting it towards the next property that you're going to buy or whatever your investment strategy is. But you've got to control your fears and your anxieties. When you don't, I guarantee you they are going to fuck you up eventually because your life is a direct reflection of your emotions and your thoughts. And most people don't want to hear that. They're like, I get this almost every week. I've got five grand, Michael. What's the best thing to invest in? Your mindset. Oh, nah, man, I'm like, I'm looking for like, you know, should I do shares or property? Dude, you've got five grand. Don't even worry about that shit at the moment. Go get your mindset right. Come back to me when you've gone, hey, I've just made 50 grand in a month. Now we'll talk. But you're not going to be able to do that if you don't have the right mindset and you don't have the right emotional control. If you don't, you'll eventually lose it. If you're putting $2 a week into shares, you're broke. If you're putting $100 a week into shares, you're still broke. It's better than most people but most people are broke. So if you really want to get ahead, you have to develop the right mindset first because that's going to help you to learn. It's going to help you to develop and it's going to help you to regulate your emotions or your emotional states. If you can't do that, I guarantee those two things will be the things that will make you lose your money. And most people just don't get it. 
Most business owners just don't get it. The reason why their business isn't growing or the reason why they're fucking stressed all the time or the reason why they're anxious or the reason they run around like idiots is because they can't control their mind and they can't control their emotions. Yet, those same dickheads go out there and they're like, but I need to just improve my fucking sales. You don't need to improve your sales. What you need to do is you need to get your shit right because no one who is good is going to work for a shitty leader. And you're a shit leader. You're a poor communicator. You're a bad manager. You've got no management systems. You run around in a puff all the time. You're always focused on making money because you're insecure. When you look at your bank account every week when you're a business owner, that is good when you're a startup because you're just trying to manage and you're just in survival mode. But after you start to scale and you start to bring on more staff, should you be in survival mode all the time, you are going to freak staff out. They are going to be unproductive. They're going to be ineffective. They're going to be making mistakes all the time and you're going to be super frustrated because you need to adapt as a business owner and change the way you operate. But most business owners don't want to do this. They're like, oh, we've got to improve sales. I just need better staff. Why would better staff come and work for you? You're shit as a leader. You are shit as a manager. Your operation skills are shit. The reason why you have shit staff is because you are shit. The faster you realize that you are shit, then you can get better at not being so shit, which then means your staff are going to be less shit. That's really what it comes down to. But most business owners don't want to hear this. I had a quote years ago, and our community said that they were going to print it on shirts. And it is that if your life looks like shit, it's probably because your head is up your ass. If your head is up your ass and all you can see is shit around you, it's normally because your head's in your bum. Take your head out of your ass and try and look at a different option, a different alternative. Most people do not do this. They spend their whole life. I've watched family members of mine run businesses for 30 years, my dad included, for 30 years, complains all the fucking time about business, complains all the time about staff. But you know the one thing that he never did? He never fucking changed. He never changed. I don't know why. I've tried to have this conversation with him, but his family, he doesn't want to listen to his son. His son's this little kid that he had to change his nappies. So now, why is he going to take advice from the kid that he had to wipe his ass? Most adults, especially family, don't want to take advice from their young child. They don't want to do that. No matter what age, I could be 60 or 70 and my dad still wouldn't take advice. Maybe a little bit. Maybe he asks questions every now and again. But he's just very, very hesitant to take advice from me. If he got that same advice from somebody else, sweet as. Now, everyone knows this because when you're in an intimate relationship, when your partner gives you advice, most of the time, you just keep doing what you're doing and you ignore it. Someone else says that exact same thing. And you're like, oh shit, that's interesting. And then you tell your partner and they're like, no fucking shit. I've been saying this for five years. You listen to them, but you don't listen to me. Why do we do that? Because they're too close. Coming back to business and money, your money situation is just going to amplify who you are. If mentally you're broke, you are always going to be broke in the bank account. If you're stressed all the time, money is going to make you more stressed. If you're naturally anxious, money is going to make you more anxious. If you're impulsive, money is going to make you more impulsive. Money is always going to be a direct reflection of what happens inside your head and the way you control your emotions. And the majority of people are so fucking stupid that they don't realize this. I don't want to say it harshly, but I know that there's probably about 90% of people who are listening to this right now who are like, yeah, but I still want to get ahead and I'm still not going to do fucking shit to change it. And that's cool. You're probably not really one of our community members. Our community are driven motherfuckers. They're driven mofos. That's our community name. They're driven that way because they want a better life. And you know what? Yeah, it's scary to invest in something when you don't have a lot of money. I remember when I first bought my first audio product, I was lying in bed at about 21 years of age. I had chronic fatigue. I couldn't sleep. It was like one o'clock in the morning. I'd just gone through a massive relationship breakup. I was just a fucking absolute piece of shit right? I was a fucking loser. That's what I was. I went to work. All I cared about was the weekends. I wanted public holidays. I wanted long weekends. I didn't want to work. 
even though I was like, oh man, I'm working so hard. I wasn't working hard. I didn't give a shit whether I was there or I wasn't there. I hated it. The only place that ever made me feel good back then was going to the gym and then going out and partying and drinking. And every cent that I would earn, I would put into going out and partying and drinking. I was a loser. Now, I learned a lot, but essentially my ex-girlfriend had left me. I was living back at home with mum and dad. I had bought a car that I could hardly afford. And so every cent that I had pretty much went into drinking and paying off my car loan because I bought the most expensive car that I could possibly afford because I wanted to impress everybody because now I had a job. But I had an apprenticeship now. So I was like, you know what? I'm secure now. Fucking sweet. So I went out and bought this big, stupid car with huge chrome rims on it. And I thought I was a gangster. And then all that happened was I just couldn't sleep at nighttime. I'm stressed. I'm frustrated all the time. And I was super impulsive. I would go out, party, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Although I never took drugs, but I definitely, you know, partied a lot. Really looking back then, even though it helped me to become who I am today, I was a loser. Okay, I was a grazer. I was just grazing for scraps throughout my life. It was one o'clock at night. I remember late night TV ad comes on and it's like this ad about improving your life. It goes through and it talks about, you know, how you can improve your life, how you can be better, how all you need to do is just change your mindset. And I was like, fuck this shit. And then for some weird reason, I kept watching it. And then I got out of bed. I got online. I looked up my internet banking. I typed in whatever. I had $230 in my bank account. This audio product was $229. And I knew that I had to put fuel in my WH Statesman Caprice that was a big V8 that just to start the car up used to use like $5 in fuel. And we're talking back when fuel was like 69 cents. So like you used to start the car up and it would just suck fuel in. So I've got to decide whether I'm going to put fuel in the car or whether I'm going to buy this audio product. And you know what? I had the balls to just go, you know what? It can't get any worse. Fuck it. I'll figure it out. And I got out of bed. I walked down through the hallway, grabbed the handheld phone. And I called the number, I got put through to somebody and I paid over the phone with a credit card. That one decision there changed my whole entire life. And I would listen to it every morning. I uploaded on my little first iPod nano USB stick thing that I had, the little white one that was just a USB drive that was only 256 megabyte. And I remember I could only put on like half a CD at a time, but I would go for a walk every morning and listen to this stuff. And it was so hard because most of it, was me looking in the mirror. I was like, you know what? I'm not getting the results I want in life because it's me and I've got to change. And the other hard part was the next morning, I had to go and ask my mum for some money. Now, if you've ever borrowed money off of my mum, my mum is like borrowing money off of the mafia. She would cut me if I didn't pay her back. My mum was a fucking tough woman and she did not fuck around because my mum would have killed me in my sleep if I didn't pay her back. I had to go borrow that money. I had to put my tail between my legs and go, look, you know, and she gave me grilling. You go out all the time, you spend money, you've never got any money. I got fucking grilled for it and she was right. I was living like a fucking loser. After that, I ended up spending a million dollars on study or close to a million dollars flying all around the world, learning as much as I could to better myself after that. So between the age of about 21 and around about 30, 31, it clicked over to about a million dollars, okay, in coaches, in mentors, in all of that sort of stuff. And I'd spent my first million dollars before I made my first in business. And then after that, it's never gone downhill. That's been a consistent. But it took me a lot of investment to get to that level. And most people are like, oh man, you know, I just, I want to be better. I want to improve. But at the same time, I don't want to make a commitment or something like, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does? What if it changes everything? And you know what? You're probably going to invest in books and they're probably not going to give you a lot of value. But just look for the one thing. Do you know, I had Ryan Lim, who was the ex-head of Air Asia. He came to our Thrive Time event and about, started at 10 o'clock, about 11.30 in the morning, I go to the bathroom. And I'm in there doing my thing and Ryan walks in and we're both standing at the urinals together. And I said, how are you going? And he goes, good, I've got my money's worth. And I went, really? And he goes, yeah, all I was looking for was one thing that would just change a slight direction. When you're intelligent, you realize that one small change can make a massive difference in five or 10 years. 
What most people do though, is that when they're grazers, when they're just grazing for scraps and they're drowning every day, they're waiting for the like the world's biggest change. So when they read a book, they're not looking for a couple of key things that they can go and implement. They're looking for like a whole change in their whole entire fucking life. And then after a while, they're like, I've read five books and my whole entire life hasn't changed, therefore nothing works. Or they go to a seminar or an event and they're like, I wanna be rich. So then they set a goal of being a millionaire when they've never really made it past 80K a year. And they go to one seminar, one event, and instead of thinking about, okay, what's the mindset shift? What's the connections that I'm getting? They go in there and they want all this shit to change really, really quickly. And so they put so much pressure on the event to change everything. And then after the event, you speak to them and they're like, oh, no, I didn't really get what I wanted. I think it was a waste of money. It was a waste of money because you're trying to change your whole entire life instead of looking for two to five key learnings that you can go implement. And should you do that over the next three, six, 12 months, you will then start getting ahead. It will look slow at first, but I guarantee over time, you keep compounding that it will grow. Warren Buffett said compounding interest is the eighth natural wonder of the world. Because if you start slow and then build, over time, it becomes huge. Like buying your first property is extremely tough. Buying your second property is a little bit easier than getting the first. Buying your 10th property is a lot easier than buying the first one. And buying 100 properties is a lot easier than buying one. Just like in sales, I know this for myself, I'd rather sell a $100,000 product than sell a $500 product because they're both exactly the same thing. If I'm gonna sell a $100,000 product, it makes it a lot easier for me personally because in order to do 100,000 of a $1,000 products is tough, it takes a lot of time. But you learn those skill sets and you build that self-belief where you can go for the biggest stuff. And it's not that you're overconfident, it's just you've got the skill set and it happens over time you compound those results. So if you wanna build great wealth, you have to, have to, have to change your mindset and your emotions because your bank account is gonna reflect your emotional states. Something that I said in one of my events years ago is that if you show me a bank account, I will show you your mindset. If your money comes and goes, comes and goes, comes and goes, it's probably because you've got an erratic mindset and you're erratic emotionally. If you have slow compound growth over time, it's probably because you're very methodical. You're very good with your habits. If you've got someone who gets rich and loses it all, you're probably very erratic and very impulsive. So if you show me your bank account, I will show you your mindset and your psychology because life is a direct reflection of the way we think. And so if you're not consistently changing the way you think, the life around you will not change. No matter what strategy you come up with, no matter what get rich quick scheme you buy into, no matter what business fucking course you go to, I guarantee it, it will end up you. You are a direct reflection of life and life is a direct reflection of you. So does the environment create us? Yes. But do we also create our environment? And the answer is yes. So there is a direct correlation between those two things. If you don't like your environment and what you're getting out of life, then the best thing is to change yourself because it's too fucking hard to change the environment around you. In most cases, I can't change the world, but I can change me. And I can change me to the point where I can start to inspire other people to slowly start to change. I can't change them though, I can only influence them. And you can either influence people to walk off a cliff or you can influence people to go big and do something awesome. I know which one I'd prefer. Anyway, Driven Mofos, I hope that massively helps. If you haven't grabbed your tickets to Thrive Time yet and this stuff's making sense to you, I can guarantee you we've helped so many people to create greater wealth, not through greater wealth creation strategies, but by getting their shit right in their own life and in their own head and in their own emotional states and then going and learning financial strategies because it's a game changer. And this is why we have rich listers come to those events, not because they need to learn some like special new tactic in order to do crazy shit. It's because they're trying to master their mindsets and their emotions because at some point, no matter whether you're making $100 million a year, whether you're close to a billionaire, whether you're making a dollar a week, at some point, your life is a direct reflection of your mindset and your thought processes and your emotional states. And at some point, your barrier inside your own head is gonna become your barrier in life or business. And therefore, if you don't consistently learn how to remove those barriers and those obstacles, then you're gonna have barriers and obstacles around you that you can't bypass. And you'll just keep repeating cycles 
you will stay stuck in a pattern. That's what we call a vicious cycle. So if you haven't grabbed your tickets yet to that event, make sure you do so. We've got a couple more coming up this year. I hope this helps Driven Mofos. I hope you're loving it. Have a great day and remember to share this podcast if you haven't already done so. (laughs) 